Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. We've had uh, Hall of Famer Kevin Lowe on to talk about the passing of Gila Fleur and Mike Bossy and congratulate uh, former Edmonton Oilers owner Cal Nichols on his 80th birthday. Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft just made an appearance. John Shannon is... And as promised, a uh, very positive response to his first appearance on Oilers Now. We welcome back to the show former NHL official and now ESPN rules analyst Dave Jackson, who joins us on the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. Dave, Bob Stoffer, how you doing? I'm great, Bob. How are you? Good, good. Uh, a couple things before, and I will tell you, we've, we've since people knew you were coming on, we we got a few texts with some questions, and I'll get to a little bit of that later on. Um, okay. But the first thing I'd like to actually like to talk about is uh, is is communication, and the importance of communication being a two way street, or perhaps even a three way street, between the officials and the players, or conversely, the officials and the coaches. Do you think it's sure. fair to say that the the best officials are the ones that keep the most open lines of communication on the ice? Oh, I agree 100%. 100%. Uh, from communicating on the ice to letting a player know when he's when he's about to cross the line, that usually happens, like, for example, in front of the net. You yell at a player, you, you'll make sure you know the player's name. You yell his name, that gets his attention. You tell him it's 6 too high, bring it down. He'll usually listen to you. If he doesn't, you call a penalty and you say, listen, you heard me. You heard me warning you. And a lot of times guys will come over and thank you. They'll go, yeah, I heard you. Thanks. I didn't realize I was that high. And you build a rapport. And then I always like to tell officials, when you have multiple penalty situations, don't always use the captain. Sometimes if it's going to benefit you because you don't want to play telephone, right? Go right to the coach. If he's not overly hot, go right to the coach and explain it. He hears it from you, and he has far fewer questions. And that builds rapport also, whether it's minor hockey or NHL. Have you ever waved off? A coach at the end of a period if he's asked to talk to you? Probably pretty much every time. That's just a bad time to talk to a coach. It looks like, you know, the period's over. There could be some heated heated moments that went on right before that. And we're actually encouraged not to go talk to a coach at the end of a period. But what I would always do is I would tell him or I would tell the captain, Right at the beginning of the next period, if you're standing there, I'll, I'll come talk to you. That gives him 15 minutes to cool down. It also gives him the chance to look at the replay, and possibly he has a different perspective when he comes back out. And then I'll go right to him. I'll go right to him beginning of the next period and say, hey, what can I do for you? What's up? And by that time, you know, things have cooled down a bit. There's less chance of it being confrontational. All right. So Haji texts the show on the Ashley Five Florence text line, uh, Dave, and he says, Bob, is it still a loser's lament to critique NHL officiating if the Oilers win in spite of questionable calls? The call to send the avalanche to a five on three in a play that happens 90 times a game uh, and too many men on the ice call on Sunday. Uh, what was Ken Holland's taking the high ground approach accomplished relative to the officiating that the Oilers have got to contend with? Is there behind the scenes request for accountability taking place that fans and media are not privy to? That one comes to us from Haji. Dave, I'm going to be fully uh, honest with you. I thought I interpreted it, it wasn't that the official, and I won't, I won't say who's, who was officiating the game Friday night, but I thought I kind of saw Jay Woodcroft get brushed off. Okay, and that frustrated me. So during the intermission, I said I thought it was a BS call that put Nugent Hopkins in the box. Uh, it, you know, Colorado was on the power play, 
And yep. it, Nugent Hopkins did not take a scoring opportunity away from the opposition player. It was a quick inside reach. I don't even know how he actually got. I thought it was a pretty tough call. It was, put it this way. It was a five-on-three call we saw back in 0506. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. There was a ton of five-on-threes that year. And right. I thought that was it was coming a tough out, That call. was coming out of the lockout. Where, yeah. Right, um, and I, I was like, wow, sure. that's that because to me that happens to Connor McDavid almost every power play, and we've talked about this the last time we had John. He's so quick and explosive, and and strong that it's it's hard to always see those reach infractions. And then I right. saw the official. I thought, wave off, Jay, and that really made me mad. And I was like, now you've explained it that the, the officials. So so is it a loser's lament? And and part of that question was, are there machinations that occur politically behind the scenes that are organizations take um in terms of of having those those conversations about how they feel maybe they were unjustly dealt with how much of that actually takes place in the business dave sure i i think uh, that's kind of a two-part question as far as a five on three i mean there's so much discussion as we talk about game management and you know the referees are they managing the game are they favoring one team where there is and I'm, I'm, people are going to say well He's just spouting propaganda right now, but I'm really not. There's a standard, and the referees know what the standard is, and they're told that if they see a penalty that meets the standard, then you call it, whether it's a first penalty or a second penalty. Now, that's in a perfect world. There are going to be times where a penalty gets called on a five-on-three. The referee's sight line might not be what we think it is. You know, we get to see the replay and go, wow, that was a weak call, and those happen. Those happen all the time. But from where the referee is standing, he probably thought it was a lot worse. And that put them down five on three. Yeah. They're not told that when you're, when you're down five on four, don't make that second call unless it's an, you know, an axe murder or something. No, they're told if it meets the standard, make that call. So obviously he thought, and I haven't seen it, but obviously it thought, he thought it met the standard. He called it. Probably if he got to look at it later, he would go, wow, that was a bad sight line, and I probably shouldn't have called it. As far as what goes on behind the scenes, the officials are largely insulated from that, but the referee in chief, uh, Stephen Walkham, director of officiating, I mean, he must field you know, 100 calls a week from teams. Uh, some are calling, complaining. Some are calling, asking questions, and he fields them out. Like, you know, probably if he gets 100 calls, probably 10 of them are, are really valid complaints, and those 10 valid complaints he will address. He'll go and watch the tape. He will call that official if necessary, and he'll you know ask him what he was thinking. Maybe send him a clip on it, and explain that that's not what we want called. Or if it's a missed call, this is what we want called. So going forward, know you'll have my support if you make this call. But yeah, it definitely dealt. It, it, it's definitely micromanaged, and I say that in a good way. It's micromanaged to that if there's an issue, it gets dealt with behind the scenes. ESPN rules expert, longtime NHL official Dave Jackson. Dave. I have a theory that less gets you more. The less you whine and complain as a player, the better it suits, and as a coach, the better it suits you, your purposes. If you're constantly haranguing and harping on the officials, it's going to come back to bite you. Whereas, because I'm thinking, you know, and, and I realize there's a spirit of the rule, but I, I, I just think of the, the, the sort of, you know, the personalities involved. And it's, if, a, if a player never 
does anything. And then the one time, sort of like he's looking at me like, what the heck was that? How did you miss that? I'm going to guess that the, the officials like that player never sits there and shows anybody up on the ice in terms of the officials. Maybe he never whines and complains at all. And he's actually saying something that speaks to, you know, the significance of maybe the call that was missed. Do you buy that or am I out to lunch? No, I think you're right. Uh, what was the famous line in baseball? With Ted Williams, when he didn't swing at a pitch, it must have been a ball because he had such a good eye. Uh, coaches yeah. that constantly, constantly yell at the referee, it's just this white noise, you just ignore them. I mean, every, every call is a bad call to them, so you ignore them. Whereas you get a coach who never says boo, who is respectful of the officials, if he's pretty hot, then you might want to go check with your teammates and go, hey, did I miss something here? Because... That's out of character for a certain coach. So, does it does it benefit them? I I guess you would have to ask each individual official. But I know for myself that if there was a coach I respected who never gave me a hard time and he was up in arm, I'd at least give him the time of day. I, I would go over, ask him what's wrong, you know, address it with him and say, well, either this is why I disagree, or you know what, you're right. I'll be better going forward. Dave, I could have sworn watching the Oilers as a kid and in the early 80s that when they played the Islanders in those first couple series, I thought the Islanders got more calls. And by the time Edmonton played Boston in 88-90, I thought it was the Oilers that got more calls. Do veteran teams get veteran calls? I think good teams fight through adversity. (laughs) To be quite honest, good teams find ways to win games. And good teams don't dwell on the last call. The good teams don't worry about that penalty went against them or that goal got taken away. They're so single, single-mindedly single focused on winning. And that's just their mindset that they don't let something like that bring them down. Um, I just think that's my experience being on the ice. The teams that have, teams that have gone always on to the next round are teams that aren't phased by a little bit of adversity. They just shake it off and keep going. They don't dwell on it. You put a tweet out and helped educate a lot of people. I referenced the tweet. You had the breakdown of uh, power plays per game dating all the way back to the 0506 playoffs, which, of course, was the year that the Edmonton Oilers went to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final. They were a surprise team that year. Uh, right. But there were 11.6, 11.7 uh, power plays per game in the regular season, 11.6. Uh, that's been cut in half. It's been 5.78 in the regular season each of the last two years, 5.49 in the playoffs, which is not a significant drop from the regular season of the playoffs, which, frankly, i got to tell you, that surprised me, Dave. I, I would have thought, it's and, and maybe it's because there were no calls against Connor McDavid in the eight games that he played, the four <laughs> games in the Chicago play-in series, and the four games against Winnipeg, but I would have thought that there were fewer penalties called in the regular season of the playoffs, but really the numbers over the last five seasons don't suggest that, do they? It's pretty flat between the regular season and the playoffs. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is because come playoff games, the coaches, they preach discipline. They tell their teams, you know, players are afraid to take penalties in playoffs. They, they'll be sitting at the end of bench. Goals are so hard to come by in playoffs, but you take a penalty and that one goal they score on the power play could be the difference in your team winning and going on to the next round or, or going home for the summer. So, you know, I, I don't think people say there's so much chaos in playoffs and the referees put the whistle away. I couldn't disagree more. The games are faster, they're more physical. More guys finish their body checks, more guys back check, they block shots. There's no room out there. So from a fan's perspective, there's mayhem going on all over the ice. But that's just 
when you're in it, when you're down on the ice in it, it's just it's controlled mayhem. It's guys, it's guys doing anything they can to, to win that hockey game, and it's not necessarily illegal plays. I find players have much more discipline. In, in, in regular season, you get guys taking lazy penalties and guys taking selfish penalties. When it comes to playoff time, I think most penalties you see called in playoffs are either accidental or desperation. 11.7 uh, power plays per game uh, in 05-06 in the regular season, 11.6 in the playoffs, down to basically 5.8. So it's it's been halved. How much of yeah. this is over the evolution of the last 15 years, the players just growing up and understanding? You guys went hard in to implement the new rules and eliminate obstruction, open the game up for a little bit of offense, which, by the way, scoring is up this year. Is, is, yeah. it, is it that, or is there just fewer calls being made? What do you think has resulted no, in a 50% drop? Well, we came out of Go that ahead, 05... We came out of that 05 lockout with, you know, we clamped down on hooking, holding, interference. And those 11.7 penalties per game probably should have been six or seven penalties per game. I mean, we definitely overcalled, and that wasn't intentional. We just, we as officials just didn't really know where the line was. What was, you know, what was too much, what was interference, what not. It was, uh, you know, I, I like to say we should use evolution versus revolution but we came out of that lockout and it's kind of a bit of revolution like we just changed it overnight i can remember doing exhibition games with 20 minor penalties and everybody was saying this isn't going to work this is going to work i mean you're ruining, ruining the game but we had support and they told us keep doing it keep doing it and the players adjusted but also the referees adjusted they realized hey maybe that's not a penalty i mean a guy would get his stick horizontal and you'd throw your arm up and there wouldn't even be there would be no result from the guy's stick being horizontal, but you were just going, well, I see a stick up around his waist, I'm going to call it. Then referees started to adjust and say, well, there needs to be some sort of infraction just because the stick is there. You can't just throw your arm up every time. The... So I think we overreacted a bit, but it served its purpose because we got the game to where we needed it to be. Yeah, well, and I, you know, it's funny because we've got McDavid versus Crosby and, you know, Connor's basically in his career uh through the first 485 games he's got 51 more even strength points but crosby's got 48 more in the power play i just looked at those first three years like the others have had the best power play combined over the last three seasons in the nhl but those first three years sid was in the uh league they had, and i love sid don't get me wrong he's an unbelievable player but he you know he was one of those guys that the one year he had like I think he had 48 power play assists. Like it was just, I think it was the second season right. he was in the NHL. Those first two right. years, and that, and I, the amount of opportunity. I believe that coincided with the crackdown on hooking and holding, correct? That was, he came in in 05, yes. I believe, 05 or 06. Yeah, so he was. He yeah, was, he came, 05, 06 was his yeah. first year. Yeah, and that's the year we just called, yeah. you know, everything was called. And, you know, the, there was All just right. abundance uh, of power plays. Now, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know if you've seen this, and I just went to NHL.com to see if it's been updated uh, because John Shannon, who was on our show earlier today, actually, we didn't discuss it with John. It, uh, there was a, a melee, which, by the way, the Oilers were quite fortuitous not to have ended up five on three down against Columbus yesterday because they easily, uh, put it this way, Evander Kane went to the box. He was guilt by association. 
Uh, he thought he was sure. getting a penalty, and he didn't. Somehow he escaped it, but McDavid and Cassian got involved, and Cassian ended up working over um, Eric Robertson uh, pretty good in the... And I, it, it, they, they, they had it as abusive officials at the 20-minute mark, but somebody, I think John suggested to me, that was not the case. The actual misconduct had to be with him being the uh, instigator in the melee. Is there a 10-minute misconduct okay. penalty uh, if you're the guy that basically is seen as, or does it have to do with engaging in a player that's not willing to, it, I, I was sort of confused by it, is, and I, th- I thought I knew it pretty good. So maybe you can educate sure. me personally on that. Sure. Well, without without uh, seeing the incident, I'm just going to speak in general terms. Feminine misconducts are a very useful tool that we have in our box, and it can be it can be assessed for verbal abuse. It can be assessed for inciting. So, if you're it was inciting, scrumming, inciting. Uh, yeah, you can you can go in and say, hey. That's enough. Stop. And if the guy doesn't stop, if he just keeps trying to get away from the linesman or he's verbally antagonizing somebody, he gets a misconduct. And it's 10-minute misconduct, and it just cools the guy down. Um, if it's assessed at the 20-minute mark, it doesn't serve much purpose to cool him down. But as, a, as an official, you're acknowledging that he went over the line, and you assess the 10-minute misconduct. I believe they get fined. 200 bucks or something for it, but it, it just shows that you acknowledge it. I mean, there's no sense calling a two-minute unsportsman like that does nothing. Yeah, well, and, and again, well, actually, some might argue the two-minute unsportsmanlike like works even worse against the team because it's another, you know, penalty they have to kill off as opposed to a misconduct. I'm pretty sure what Shannon sent me is that he was actually nailed for an inciting call and not for abusive officials, but it was listed on the score sheet as abusive officials. So uh, I found right. it interesting. And I apologize. Hey, what's, what's I that? You meant it was at the end of the game. I, I thought you meant it was at the end of the game. So I said no, a no, it was at, it, no, it was in. It. Yeah, no, it was a minute 32 left in this in the first period. And the Oilers, oh, I, I thought Edmonton I easily, I thought Edmonton was probably going to end up five on three down as a result of the melee, and they didn't. They uh-huh. ended up just with, with the, the one extra minor. What is the most common question? Uh, give me a couple of the most common questions you get asked in your role as ESPN rules analyst uh, by by you know by by fans out there that reach out to you maybe via Twitter and that sort of thing, Dave. Why, why do the referees hate my team? <laughs> that's, that's the most, which is, which is really funny because I try and explain to them, it's, the calls don't just go against your team. Um, a, a funny example, I'm, I'm, I'm from Montreal, and the Montreal fans are convinced that Gallagher doesn't ever get a break. Um, the Gallagher gets goals waved off and nobody else would have waved off. And they're just, they're consumed by that. And, I watch. I mean, I watch hundreds of hockey games now. I mean, I've done over 100 with ESPN alone this year, and I see goals get waved off all the time. So last week there was a hand pass that Gallagher initiated that wasn't noticed and led to a goal. And um, you know, I sent a text to my buddies in Montreal that are in in the media, and I go, I just I'm waiting to see your guys' outrage for Gallagher not having his goal waved off by the uh, by hockey ops, and but it benefited them, so they didn't notice it, right? And it's, just, yeah. it's it's the paranoia that sometimes a fan base has that think it, the calls only go against their team, and it really it really doesn't. The calls go against all thirty two teams equally, in my opinion. Uh, well, we're uh, with you, winner tie. Uh, but if the Oilers play L.A. in the opening round and McDavid hasn't drawn a power play by the time we get back to Los Angeles, uh, assuming that's going to be the matchup and this, the series is tied, we'll be calling. So <laughs> just, just so. it's going to be, well, it's gonna be interesting sure, because... Uh, I will make sure to keep I was a close going, eye on that series then. 
Well, it's funny because the Oilers started the year 9-1, and one and McDavid, uh, Colin Campbell was here at the 8-1 mark as part of, we had Kevin Lowe on the show earlier today, but he was here for part of Kevin Lowe's night, and for whatever reason, and I think it was because Edmonton was often, you know, the perception is they're, they're up in, a, in games and there's game management going on, McDavid didn't get a ton of calls in the first nine games of the year. He started getting, a, right. literally, from the 10-game mark on, he started getting a ton of calls. And I'm like, did somebody talk to Colin Campbell when he came into town for Kevin Lowe's night or what? And, you know, of course, that's not what happens. But, you know, the conspiracy Wait, theorists out there. Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. He leads the league now in drawing penalties, doesn't he? Yeah, he's gone. But for the first 10 games a year, he's like, per minute's played, he was like 170th or something ridiculous like that. Dave, wonderful stuff. Right. How do people follow you on Twitter? Uh, ESPN Ref NHL. Okay, love your work on uh, when, when, when we're down here and watching the games. Uh, I'm in Pittsburgh. I'm looking forward to watching uh, a guy named Sydney and uh, Connor get after it tomorrow. You guys have got that broadcast as well. So thank you for your time, Dave. Well, I look forward to it as well. See you, Bob. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Dave Jackson, longtime NHL referee and ESPN rules analyst. And holy, we're going to get right into the end of the show here. I didn't realize we'd run this long with that interview. Thank you to everybody who uh, participated via the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Royal Pizza Pizza Pass and so much more Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years for a menu and a list of their 15 Edmonton area locations go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store as we go to this day in order sister I'll tell you that the stopper recommendation at Royal Pizza is the Mediterranean Chicken New West Travel we're going to do an Oilers road trip you can register now at newwesttravel.com for more information we're going to go back to there's a couple uh, 25 years ago today Ryan Smith double overtime GWG one nothing. Curtis Joseph, 43 saves for the shutout. And Brendan Escott, what happened on this date, 1985? Wayne Gretzky puts up a hat trick and adds four assists, seven points in the Oilers' 8-3 win over the Winnipeg Jets at Northlands. That swept the Smythe Division finals in four games. Yari Curry put up a hat trick and an assist as well for the Oil. All right, Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. What does he have? You will hear from Kelly Rudy, Penguins radio analyst Phil Bork, and uh, Edmonton Elks running back James Wilder Jr. Tomorrow, Sportsnet Spec, who is on the road here in Pittsburgh for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, citing live thoroughbred racing, returning to Century Mile Saturday. That's coming up this Saturday. Post time is at 3.45 p.m. So Mark Spector... Oh, and a voice from Oilers now past Pittsburgh Penguins president and former Oilers now contributor Brian Burke at 135 Edmonton tomorrow as well. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. Special thanks to our guest today. Edmonton Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft, Hockey Hall of Famer Kevin Lowe, John Shannon, and ESPN rules analyst Dave Jackson. Again, Kevin Robertson with a global news weather traffic update, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then 6.30 Chad afternoons with Jay Lynn Nye. So long, everybody, from Pittsburgh on Oilers Now. Back at you tomorrow at noon Edmonton time. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad.